It's the top of the hour, and you're listening to WLCA, WLCA HD1 Godfrey. And now, it's time for the WLCA Sports Show. Line them up for kickoff. Pop it in there, baby. Good morning and welcome into the WLCA Sports Show here on 89.9. We have a great show planned for you today. We're going to be talking about plenty of stuff because there's been plenty of stuff in sports going on the last couple of days. There's been a lot. A lot. Uh, the Blues signed defenseman Tori Krug yesterday to a large deal. We're going to be talking about that with Tanner Hendrickson. And then uh, we're going to be talking, breaking down that deal and discussing it. Uh, we are moving into the championship series in the MLB. We're going to be breaking down those matchups uh, in the AL and NLCS. And we're also going to be discussing the NBA Finals, how the Miami Heat have somehow managed to stay in this series. Somehow. And then we're we're also going to be having a station manager on our college football aficionado. I've been looking forward to saying that. Aficionado. Mike Lemon's on later to talk about this week's... It rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Aficionado. Um, We're going to be talking about this week's matchups and what to expect. I'm your host, Ethan Hannaford, joined by the Nathans, Nathan Piercy, Nathan Tucker. Guys, how you doing? Doing solid. Nice. Doing pretty good. Uh, Still waiting to to really consider this whole Tory Krug thing. Oh yeah, well we're gonna be getting to it, but not yet. We're gonna be go ahead, we're gonna go ahead and start off with some of the uh, you know matchups in the division series that we saw in the MLB yesterday. The Braves sweeping the Miami Marlins, uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers also sweeping the San Diego Padres, the Houston Astros uh, defeating the Oakland A's in four games, and then last night the latest uh, Tyler Glass now outduels. Well, not really, only went three innings, but I mean, they, I guess you could still say it was an outduel because they won, right? That's a playoff outduel. Playoff outduel. Well, they. Outdueled the New York Yankees in five games, winning last night, uh, two to one. And I gotta say, I was very entertained by that series. Is it is it possible to say that, that might be the only major like upset that we saw? Like, I don't completely even, unexpected. I don't even know if you could really call it an upset. Um, I would say it was the most evenly matched. Um, I mean, because yeah, you know, okay. I mean, I guess in the idea, the big bad Yankees facing off against this small market team in the Rays, but the Rays were the one seed in the AL. They were forty and twenty going in. Uh, were uh, have been a, the best team in the AL all year. So, but I mean, I mean, you look at the Yankees; they were playing really good baseball going into this series. Knocked off the Indians, which it was I, the only series. I guess, I guess, the, what I'm trying to say is like it's the only series that. You're you could be a little surprised by the outcome. Like I totally expected the Atlanta to blow out the Marlins. I expected the Dodgers to do exactly what they did to the Padres. The Astros and the Athletics was kind of iffy, but I mean, what we've seen the Astros do in the last few years, even without cheating, actually, um, we know what they can be. And so, so this one to me, I guess, was the the most evenly matched one, and it was kind of the most like. This one can go either way. So I guess it was a little surprising because I expected the Yankees just to like hit home runs every two at bats, but I don't know. So that being said, you know, looking into this upcoming matchup, Rays-Astros, a matchup we saw last year in the ALDS, and it's kind of these teams are almost flip-flop now as to where last year the Rays were the wild card team, took it to five games after knocking off the A's in the wild card game, and the Astros were the top dog. It was the big bad Astros, and they're still... Well, now they're just the bad Astros because we don't like them. Um, but uh, what do you guys expect to see from this matchup? Nathan Tucker, I'll start with you and just, uh, yeah, some expectations for uh, what we'll see in this uh, matchup. Yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be a slight element of, uh, you know, the Rays seeking revenge 
almost throughout the series because I think you know you, you have you obviously have that matchup last year. Houston knocked them out. I think Tampa's kind of on a path to actually show people that we're the one seed for a reason. We're a better team than you think we are, and even if you might underrate us, we're, we're we think we're one of the best teams in baseball, if not the best team in baseball. And you know, Houston on the other side of it, I think I think it's you know this is kind of that return to form for them. This is a group of guys that. You know, expects to be in the playoffs, expects playoff success. It's a, a team that expects playoff success. And at the moment, they haven't, you know, this year obviously has been a little bit of an aberration from that success in the past. But I think they found that groove and they have that experience and they know what to do at the right time. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, and it's almost been, it's been so odd seeing the Astros, a team that really struggled in the regular season. And the, I mean, this is a team that, did not finish the season on a good note. I mean, they finished 29 and 31, and I give it it is a 60 game season, but still 29 and 31 had no momentum going in, losing the last 3 games of the regular season to the Texas Rangers, who was the bottom team in the AL by the way. Then they go to Minnesota and they make the Twins look like they're the inferior team. The Twins are not only that, so not only do you dominate the 3 seed in the AL, but you also dominate the 2 seed in the AL, defeating the A's in 4 games. Could it be as simple as the Astros just got hot at the right time? Is that all it is? I mean, hitting has caught fire. They average nine runs per game against the Ray, or sorry, the A's. Um, maybe they found another way to cheat. Yeah, I mean, I, the way I see it, I think it's they that you know they've kind of regressed to their mean, but in their case, regression is going upward to where they were in the past. Because this year, you know, this year has been a struggle for them. Jose Altuve has looked very not good this year. Oh, he's been treacherous. Yeah, I yeah. mean, his average was I think in around the two fifteen mark, two twenty. That, that, that's Cardinal outfielder average territory. There. That's uh, yikes. That's, that's still above. That's still above Cardinal outfielder <laughs> average. But I mean, yeah, we'll still give you a. I mean, but yeah. It'll be a fun series to watch. How do you expect, Nathan Piercy, how do you expect this series to turn out Astros Rays? You know, I think it's it's I think it's going to be very interesting. I think it's I think the the play styles of these teams are two like very different, and so it's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, to me, it seems like Houston has a little a little bit of an edge in pitching, and I think that's going to be really where it comes from. Okay, so. Man, I don't know. I think I'd have to disagree with you on pitching wise. You know, the the Rays have you know Tyler Glass now coming out there. Charlie Morton. Um, I know they have another solid start. Who's the other one? Who's the other? Oh, Blake Snell. Yeah, yeah, there it is. I was like, I know I'm forgetting him. So I think I would actually say it's the opposite way around as to where the Astros bats are going to have to carry him. Maybe the the Astros bullpen, but I don't know about the starting rotation necessarily. But I think one thing that's very interesting about the Rays is they play a game very similar to the Cardinals, except they do it better. And one big part of that is that they can actually hit the ball. Um, but you know, they, you, they also have an old Cardinal. I you know, what was his name? Randy, uh, Randy, Randy Rose Arena, um, the guy that's you know made, was basically the dad of the Yankees in that series. <laughs> um, but I tell you what, Rose Arena was phenomenal. He had a solid season, and he's been lights out in the playoffs. So this goes to, back to my uh, theory that you could build a playoff team out of Cardinals that have left in the past, you know, so many years. 
Yeah. Um, it's so that I, I hate dinging on that one, but it, it might be true. That is no, that's 100% correct. I, I mean, look at some of the guys that Cardinals used to have that are in the playoffs and doing Luke well. Voigt, Randy, Randy Rosarena, Luke, like you said, Luke Voigt, Marcel Azuna, Tommy Pham, Rosarena, obviously. Right. Uh, if you want to look at the Marlins, um, Sandy Alcantara. I love the I love the ding, by the way. Even Magnera Sierra. Magnera was, Sierra. I was about to say that. Yeah. We have two thirds of a lineup. We got any more? Coming? Astros have a Ledmus Diaz. I'll give it to you. I mean, yeah, he, so that, that was a little a, more of an he had ass, a half but. decent year, but I mean, that was like a well, like an off off sounding like a yeah. minor sounding correcting. You know, I don't know, but. I, like I said, the Card or the Rays play a game very similar to the Cardinals in that they, you know, steal steal bases very well. They do whatever they have to do to score runs. You're, they're not going to score, you know, every single run. Well, last night they did, but they're not that team that relies heavily on the home run ball. Kind of similar to the Cardinals in a league that is home run heavy. They don't rely on the home run ball. Um, you know, they play great defense, similar to. So it's a very similar situation to what we have in St. Louis, except. It actually they do works. It, they do it better. Um, so I, I, I do like this Rays team. I'd love to see them sweep the Astros, get a little revenge from last year. I was like, either way, whoever wins tonight, I'm usually not a Yankees fan, but last night it's whoever wins, I just hope they dominate the Astros. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to seeing Carlos Correa. Man, I almost I can't feel that, that with dude. all this negative. I almost feel that with all the negative energy around like uh, people rooting against the Astros, that they're going to do it this year. Stop it. Stop it right now. I hope you that shut me, your mouth right now. I hope that you nope, no. I'm trying to no. say this in order to jinx them here, okay? <laughs> Just thank no. you. Thank you for saving me with the ding. Okay. So before we go to break, we have a couple minutes to talk about the NLCS matchup. Which I mean I feel which I feel like we could talk about this one even longer. Dodgers Braves, the top two teams in the NL offensively. Are you guys as excited for this series as I am? I would say in all of baseball, they're the top two offensive teams at this point. I mean, yeah, I agree. Maybe, maybe there's some teams that would have a say about that in the AL, but I don't, you know, Yankees are not in the playoffs anymore. I mean, go ahead. Well, real quick, I just want to touch on like, you know, Cardinals, there's a lot of Cardinals fans that are angry about, you know, Marcelo Zuna's production this year. You could not have, like, foreseen that after the last mm. two years he's had in St. Louis. It just doesn't make any sense. Okay. Looking at those numbers, you would not have expected him to have this type of year. Keep in mind, keep in mind how he was on fire last year going into the season, like the start of the season, got injured, you know, cooled off a bit when he came back from injury. But the man at one point in the early part of the season before he got injured was one of the best hitters in baseball. He was on pace, I think, at one point. Now, it was early in the season. It was only probably a month, a month and a half in. But the man early in the season was on pace for 40 and, like, over 100 RBIs. 40 home runs, over 100 RBIs. He ended up playing last year, looking at it, trying to find it. How many games? Come on, where are you at? 
Can't find it. Oh, here it is. 130 games. So he missed 30 games. He hit 29 home runs on 89 RBIs, missing 30 games. So he, he missed a month and had still you and know, his relatively average was good low. full, full his season. His average was at 241, but his average was a lot higher before he got injured. So, I mean, injuries are going to happen. You still have to be able to perform coming back from them. But I tell you what. Was it? It was a tough situation for Mose. Any Cardinal do any better than him? Very fair point. <laughs> looking yeah. more, looking more at this Braves Dodgers series though. You have the two best offenses in the league. You've got a Braves loaded lineup: Acuna Jr., Freeman, Ozuna, Darno, Albies. On the pitching side, you have a very solid bullpen. You have some solid pitching pieces in Max Freed, um, as a, who's going to be a Cy Young candidate. You have Ian Anderson, who's emerged as a very solid pitcher late in the season. Their biggest problem, however, despite having some solid options on starting pitching, is they don't have enough of it. No, they don't. They don't have the depth, and that's that's really really what's going to hurt them, especially with the Dodgers, who. Okay, we have Clayton Kershaw. Okay, we have Walker Bueller, Dustin like, May, and then you exactly and then that bullpen is they that, is, is having Clayton Kershaw in the playoffs good though. So far it has. So been. far it has been. He's he's this finally year. figured yeah. something out this year. Yeah, this year. <laughs> as um, long as he's not facing the Cardinals, yes, or the Nationals. Yeah, or but Matt, I, Matt Adams generally. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. but I, I tell you what though, and I like like I was saying the the Braves, you know, starting pitching. There's just not enough of it at this point to where that Dodgers lineup is so loaded. We saw what the Padres tried to do when they were short on starting pitching. They tried to you know use the bullpen like they did against the Cardinals. The Dodgers are too good now. The Braves bullpen is better than the Padres bullpen as to where they'll be able to survive a little bit. But I do the. You're not going to win a seven-game series on two, two and a half solid pitchers. I mean, just looking at this, looking at this Dodgers team in general, it's ridiculous. There's not a weakness. Betts, Seager, Turner, Muncie, Bellinger, Peterson, Pollock. It's 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 loaded top to bottom. And I mean, and and when you get into their bullpen, if you get to them early, well, they've got guys who they can stretch out. I mean, Joe Kelly used to be a starter here in St. Louis. That's what they've done all season. Is they have, I mean, they've had a rotation. But right now, if you look up Dodgers starting pitchers, I think three pop up in the rotation. It might be even two, and that's because they can use that. Okay, today we're gonna have you start. You know, might be a bullpen guy, but we're gonna have you go on four their, or five innings today, and and that's what they've done, and that's I'm, how they've been successful. I'm on their roster right now, like on MLB.com, like their official roster. Yep. I went to depth chart. I clicked on or on, in the rotation. They have two pitchers. It yeah. is I, Clayton Kershaw and Walker Bueller. Yeah, all you need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So far, it's all I've needed. So, what? Real quick before we go to break, predictions for the series. Who's winning? How many games? Nathan Tucker. I'm going to go Dodgers and seven. Ooh, wow. Seven, all right. Nathan Piercy? Are we just doing the NL one, or are we going AL two? Go ahead and go AL if you didn't say it earlier. Okay, so, well, NL, I've got the Dodgers in, I'm going to say five. Okay. Th- and then in the AL, I think I'm going to go, I'm actually going to go, I think Tampa Bay wins this one, but I think it's in seven. I'm going to go ahead and say both one six Dodgers and Rays. That's our World Series this year. Two one seeds um, battling it out. It's going to be fun to watch. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the Blues and their signing of Tory Krug. You're listening to the WLCA Sports Show. Welcome back into the WLCA Sports Show here on 89.9. It's been a pretty eventful day for Blues fans the last, uh, well, not, I guess, the last, what, 
12 hours, 15 hours. It's a bit, it was an eventful evening. Yeah, yeah. evening. There you go. I don't know why I can't use simple words like evening. <sighs> it's still morning. It's okay. What are you going to do? Oh, well. I tell you what, though. Th- that uh, the, Yesterday, the Blues signing Tory Krug to a seven-year, $45.5 million deal. $6.5 million AAV per year, approximately. I tell you what. I'm excited to talk about this. We were able to have former sports director and now board op at 101 ESPN, Tanner Hendrickson, on last night. I was able to speak with him. Tanner gave us his thoughts on the deal. Well, I think this is a I think this is a good signing for the Blues. Um, now, is he going to be Alex Petrangelo? No. Uh, no one's going to really replace Alex Petrangelo. Petrangelo's a top five, maybe if you don't want to say top five, top ten defenseman in the NHL. But I, I like the signing. Um, looking at this deal, to me, it was more of, you know, Falk looked like that guy last year when they made that trade for Justin Falk of, okay, here's going to be plan B if we can't work out an extension with Alex Petrangelo. When Falk struggled, I think it was clear of, okay, Tory Krug's on the market. Tory Krug, we can get at a little less than Petro because I think Petro's going to get about eight and a half to nine mil uh, of AAV. So I think they looked at this and said, okay, Petrangelo wants to take his time, make the decision, which is good on his part. Make sure he has the right decision on where he wants to go because this is more than likely could be Petrangelo's last contract he signed, seven years. Maybe could get another one after that. I think the Blues would have rather not be hung dry Jump the jump the gun on Krug, sign him, and I think he's going to fit well. I think him and Frakel are going to make a great top pairing for the St. Louis Blues this upcoming season. So right now, you know, like you said, a lot of talk there. You know, Petrangelo doesn't necessarily or Krug doesn't necessarily sign up as you know line up as the better player compared to Petrangelo. How do you think the Blues will sort of maneuver um, that matchup and you know trying to replace a Petrangelo? How do you think that's going to be done as far as the defensive line goes? Well, I think the Blues are going to rely on some of their younger guys to take some steps forward. And part of that will be Pareko's going to have to step up into being really your workhorse because Petrangelo, looking at him, you know, he's getting your top ice time. Last year it was 24 minutes of ice time. Uh, he's averaged about 24 and a half minutes of ice time in his entire career as a Blues. So he's been your workhorse on defense. They're going to need someone to step into that role. Krug will fit that role pretty well because that's what he was doing in Boston. Uh, but I think they want to see some someone step up within their young core of defensemen, whether that's Preco, maybe Vince Dunn can take a step forward this year. Uh, listening to Doug Armstrong's press conference yesterday after or last or tonight, I should say, um, where he talked about, you know, Vince Dunn. We thought he would make a bigger step going into last season. They thought he could have done a little bit more. So I think Dunn is someone to keep an eye on. And he's a restricted free agent, so they're going to have to create some more cap space because they're technically over the limit now. But I think they want to see Dunn step up. Maybe Mikolo can come up from the minors and play well. Uh, but I think Krug slides in pretty well. And I think they wanted a guy that, you know, he's a left-handed shot. I think they wanted him to slide in uh, with Preko. That way you can have uh, Preko on the left and Krug on the right. Because uh, they've been doing a lot, especially the last couple of years, where they had a right-handed defenseman on that right side. Well, that's a little bit tougher for a right-handed shot. So I think they wanted 
a left-handed defenseman. I would also expect the Blues, according to uh, Armstrong tonight in his press conference, he said that the Blues were in talks with another defenseman and a forward. I'm assuming it's going to be a low-cost defenseman that would be a good uh, maybe seventh guy that could be up in the press box. So I look look to that, but I think Krug fits in perfectly, especially if you put him on the top line with Colton Preco. You know, you talked about um, them being above the cap um, in the cap space right now, you know, being above that amount right now. Where, what do you expect them to do to get below that line? I expect them to make a trade. Now, who's going to be traded? Hard to say, and I think part of it's going to depend on what what kind of value the Blues give Vince Dunn. So he's a restricted free agent. They gave him a qualifying offer, so they have the rights. Now someone can come in and offer an offer sheet, and the Blues can match it, but whoever offers an offer sheet then has to give up a pick. So no one's going to offer Dunn a contract, I would expect, unless someone views him as a top defenseman. Looking at the Blues, they are currently – they're not even a million over the cap. If what – has been reported the Krug signing and he's going to get 6.5. You can be 10% above the cap in the off season. And then once you hit the regular season, you have to be at the cap or lower. You cannot be a penny over. So I'm thinking Dunn's going to get, and I could be wrong. I think he's around a two to $3 million guy of AAV. He might get a little less than the two mil, but if he gets that, they're going to have to look to dump. And I know Armstrong wants to be, below the cap and have some um, room in case he wants to make a trade heading into next season. And the Blues can't just put uh, Vladdy on long-term IR because we don't know his health. And same with Alexander Steen. Now, Steen could go on long-term IR based on the press conference tonight. Armstrong said he's still not doing well recovery-wise. So if Steen goes on long-term IR and say he misses next season, well, then there we go. We've cleared up our cap space. If not, I could see maybe them trying to move a maybe a Sammy Blay, Zach Sanford, or an Oscar Sundquist. But I think they want to see what those guys have. Maybe even an Ivan Barbashev. But they're going to they're going to move somebody, and I expect it to be a lower cost guy, someone that's making around the three to four million dollar range that could put Scandella up on the trade block. But he's got four years on his contract, so we'll see. Gunnarsson could be a guy that they move, but I just don't know what kind of value you'd get there. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Blues do. I do expect it to be a trade. They may have to throw a draft pick on it. Uh, we saw in the Vegas trade last night, or yesterday, excuse me, um, Paul Stasny got moved to Winnipeg. Well, they gave up a pick in that trade, too. So I kind of expect the Blues will move someone. I don't know who exactly, but I would expect it to be around a 2 to $3 million guy on this Blues team that they'll have to move to create that cap space to get Vince Dunn locked up. Tanner, thanks a lot. Greatly appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. That was our former sports director, um, 101 ESPN board op, Tanner Hendrickson, um, giving his take on the Tory Krug signing. Nathan Tucker, I want to start with you. What do you think about this signing overall? You know, I, th- you know, I don't think anyone really saw this coming. I think it's a great move. I think... You know, Doug Armstrong probably didn't want to wait to see if Petrangelo was coming back and then, you know, let a Tory Krug slip through the cracks and then potentially be left without either. So I think, you know, I think it really, you know, it's a really interesting move. I don't even think Tory Krug even said himself yesterday that he wasn't expecting a phone call from the Blues or anything like that. He was not expecting to be a Blue until yesterday. 
I think he, I think the Blues kind of pulled a fast one in the league here. It kind of seemed like the league almost thought that the Blues are going to be patient, Petrangelo is going to be patient, and they're going to take their time with this process. But instead, Doug Armstrong and the Blues kind of pulled a fast one, signed Tory Krug, and now that's really opened up the Petrangelo market. It's a real question where he's going now. If you know, I, don't, I. You know, I think I think some people think that there's still a chance that he might go to St. Louis, but I think that would take leaps and bounds of you know work and effort to it do. Would take and a miracle, yeah, minor miracle. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I really I like, really like Tory Crews' game with Boston. He's you know a little he's a little younger than Petrangelo, a little smaller, a little more under, undersized, different. You know, left-handed shot. He's really good on the power play, which I think is really an interesting wrinkle for the Blues. The Blues have kind of needed a different little like a different threat on the power play uh, you know I, I'm excited for it I'm excited to see him play yeah me too um, I think that this deal kind of uh, first off uh, when, like you said I was very thrown off by the deal wasn't expecting it like Tanner said but I am a fan of the deal the Blues were in a very sticky situation when it came to how they were going to maneuver signing Alex Petrangelo and he wasn't necessarily helping them, as far as we know, with the, the negotiation process. So what does Doug Armstrong do? He did what he had to do. Now, there are parts of Krug's game that leave him better offensively than Petrangelo, but there are also parts that leave him worse defensively. And like Tanner said, those are going to be situations where the Blues are going to have to, you know, have other guys have to step up and... In their game, Pareko, done. God willing, he's back. Um, and, you know, some of those different guys, Gunnarsson, Scandella. Justin Falk. Just, Justin Falk, big time. Thank you. Um, but I'm really excited to see offensively a team that was, with, you know, without Tarasenko was one of the better offensive teams in the league last year, how they match up, you know, adding an offensive defenseman, one of the best in the league. I think he was second in the league last year behind Carlson um, as far as... Uh, most of most points or most effect uh, most effective on the power play is defensive I'm not sure what the exact stat was forgive me but he's very he had, effective he had 40 assists he's a, he's it's legit he's legit yeah. so it's it's a as far as that goes it's a solid signing as far as money wise go it avoid it helps the blues stay out of that you know what we talked about a few weeks ago the cap hell right um that they're going to be really struggling in a couple of years if they have to sign Petrangelo. That this will help avoid that. Now, yes, it sucks. You know, you're seeing Petro like waving him goodbye. It'll be emotional his first time back. But it's just one of those things. A reminder that this is a business, and you know, it's it's the team first. And uh, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Nathan, comments on the deal? Yeah, you know, I I I do like this deal for the Blues, and I think it's a I think it is a really good trade for or. A, Signing for them, I mean, if you look at it, the chances of bringing back Petrangelo, even in the beginning, was low. And if that's the case, then why not go out and still make make your team better, even with a left-handed shot defenseman? Then, you know, I would rather have Cor- Tory Krug and no Petrangelo than no Tory Krug and no Petrangelo. So that's kind of how I look at it, and I and I agree. He, you know, he's not necessarily size wise the biggest guy, especially for a defenseman. He's what five nine. Yeah, five nine. Something he's like a little that. quicker though. Yeah, but he plays bigger than what he is. If that makes sense, you know, I think he's like one eighty six, but he plays like a two twenty type of guy. At Robert Thomas. <laughs> you know, uh, coming coming in, Ethan. I don't know if you you heard me and Nathan talking about it because we arrived about the same time. Um, sorry. 
Uh, but I was wondering how they were going to interact considering, you know, what all happened with that. And I was wondering that until last night when Robert, yeah, when Robert (laughs) Thomas tweeted, did we just become best friends with a picture of that hit? Like right after the collision, the blues got their piece. They won the cup finals I'm excited. I'm, and I, I was talking about that also with some friends last night going into that. How is that relationship going to be? And I mean, these guys understand. Stakes are high, you know. You know, things happen, and but that's the past now. You know, now both of you have the same goal, and that's winning a cup for the city. So- also, um, real quick, small signing the Blues did today, actually. Ooh, we're breaking news here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- this isn't fully confirmed, but I, I got this off of Cap Friendly, which is pretty reliable. <laughs> what the heck is Cap Friendly? It, it lists all the contracts and what their cap hit looks like and all that Did kind of stuff. Did you say cat or cap? Cap, C-A-P. I thought you said cat. No, cap like, friendly. Okay, go for it. Anyway, it is a right-handed defenseman, 25-year-old Steven Santini for 700000 Wow. So that it's a very a small deal. Uh, just to kind of give you some, some news on him, he's been in the league since 2015. Well, he played one game in 2015-16. Uh, he played for the Devils from 2015-16 season all the way up until the 2018-19 season. And then last year, he only played two games with Nashville. I believe he got hurt. But in his time in, in Jersey, I mean, he, well, he played 38 games, 36 games, 39 games. So he's, he's kind of been more of a minor leaguer guy. He hasn't fully broken out in this league, but he could be a possible um Possible guy who can play on that right side. He is a right, right-handed shot, and maybe he splits time with Bortuzzo. All right, real quick, real quick before we go to break, who's our captain for next year? Are we all agreeing on Ryan that? O'Reilly? Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, okay. it has to right. be. It I just wanted to, to make sure that we were all agreeing on Roar. If, if Petrangelo isn't back, Roar. which I don't think it is, it, 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 like you said, it would take a lot to bring him back. If it's not him, I think it has to be ROR. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about uh, the NFL a little bit, uh, the NBA a little bit. It's going to be – we're going to be kind of all over the place. A lot of sports a little bit. Like I said, there's a lot of sports. There's a lot of stuff that happened last night. So we're going to be back in just a moment. You are listening to the WLCA Sports Show. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to travel through time. I bid you adieu. Well, this date in sports history will be very specifically a date in World Series history as I will go back through a couple times where the Cardinals fared well through the World Series and a couple times or, you know, some other. This is a big day for the World Series in the past. In 1926, the St. Louis Cardinals beat the New York Yankees four games to three on this day to win the 23rd World Series. In 1931, the Cardinals beat the Philadelphia Athletics four games to three to win the 28th World Series. In 1948, a record crowd of 86,288 saw Game 5 of the World Series in Cleveland. And in 1951, the Yanks beat the Giants four games to two in the World Series. It was Joe DiMaggio's final game in Major League Baseball. That was today in World Series history. World Series history uh, on this fine lovely morning you were listening to the wlca sports show here on 89.9 we're going to talk about the nba finals a little bit because wow was it crazy last night how about them heat how about them heat i tell you what down three games to one last night able to somehow 
come back. We're not really, I guess, on their way to coming back. But last night, we're able to, once again, we saw that's three games in a row now, really, that they the Heat have controlled the game of play. Now, game, game five was a little more, game four, sorry, was a little bit more even. But I tell you what, uh, last night, 111 to 108 was the final. Came down to pretty much the last shot. The last free throws, yeah. It was a, it was a great game to watch. I'm I'm kind of curious, Nathan Tucker, what has been the big difference between game one and two, where you saw L.A. absolutely dominate compared to games three, four, and five, where it's been much more evenly matched and more favored in the Heat, honestly. I mean, it's playoff Jimmy, right? It has to be Jimmy Butler, because Jimmy Butler, whenever he's playing out of his mind. The Heat kind of mold along with them and kind of let him do his thing. Whenever he's playing out of his mind, that team reaches another level that they can't imagine. And right now, I also think Anthony Davis is not 100%. And last night, he he suffered an injury that was really apparent, and he missed some time. But he came back in the game. But I still think I think Anthony Davis's injury is going to slow down this Lakers team and has slowed down the Lakers team for the past couple nights. And he's been kind of a, a always listed as probable uh, in the injury port guy for almost the entire bubble because of this heel injury. And toward the end of that game last night, Anthony Davis was really struggling on the court. Anthony, da- he was really hobbling. He was really he wasn't able to get back on defense for a lot of times. He was walking back on D. You know the Lakers need him to play their game, and he hasn't. He isn't one hundred percent. The Lakers aren't one hundred percent. And that opens up a door for a Miami Heat team that I think everyone wrote off, you know, this time last week is assuming this finals was over, assuming this NBA season was over. You know, this is really it's really open to question mark because that was the glaring difference between the Heat and the Lakers was Anthony Davis's play down low and the Heat's inability to stop him. And if that's neutralized in any way, the Heat can win the series. Yeah, it's been it's been really fun to watch. Anthony Davis said he will be fine on Sunday after landing on his foot awkwardly yesterday. I guess it's would that mean it's ankle? Probably? He rolled his ankle, but it injured his heel more because okay. his heel has been the lingering injury he's had all playoffs. So, Nathan Piercy, I'm curious what you have to say on this. What do the Heat have to do to continue you know, playing the way they are? Is it simply Jimmy Butler or what else? Is there anything else? Well, well to me, it was it's more of you need to find Jimmy Butler help. I mean, last night he had a triple-double. He had 35 points. Uh, and, the, and the next highest on his team was 26. And it, they, they did get a little lucky and they had six guys in double figures. And But those are the only guys that scored points. Well, they're only playing seven or eight a night at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They only played. They only played seven. Andre Andre Iguodala was the only player on the team that and he didn't that didn't score any point or that play that didn't score any points. To me, for the Lakers, it's a huge loss if you if you're out Anthony Davis. Not only from what he's produced, but this this uh, Miami Heat team has two of the best LeBron James defenders historically that we've seen in Andre Iguodala and I believe the other one's Jimmy Butler. I could be wrong on that one. I saw no, an article right. about it whenever but yes last night's game between was more of a game between LeBron and Jimmy than it was between yeah. the Lakers and Heat. And that was so fun to watch. Like well, some of the best basketball you can watch on TV. And they were very evenly matched. Like and, the and, entire way. 
And so, well, I remember when this when the series first started, I, I saw a post that was that Iguodala and Butler historically have been two of the the best defenders of LeBron in this in, in LeBron's career. They've been able to shut him down more than anyone else has. So having that, it it really means that for the Lakers, they're going to have to find somebody else to help out. That's not a LeBron. That's not LeBron. And if AD isn't fully healthy, then they got to find somebody else. Maybe a Kuzma that steps up or a Contavious Caldwell Pope. Kuzma's been awful in the finals, but he's been terrible. Um, I still can't believe that for the finals winning shot, LeBron James passed to a wide open Danny Green, who absolutely bricked the front of the rim and didn't even come close to making it. He, Danny Green almost had his Disney moment where he proved to everyone that he's actually really good. But he blew the most wide-open finals-winning shot in potential history and gave, and gave the Heat the game right so there. So like, you don't think that LeBron should have passed it, like, at all? I mean, I think LeBron taking it into three guys and trying to go up and draw a foul is probably a better play than passing to an open Danny Green in that instance. Well, that's what they talked about, actually, on... On, on on the call, even you know, they talked about how you know if if you're the Heat, do everything you can to stop LeBron. Double team him, stop him. If someone else beats you, if he ends up dishing it to Caruso yeah, if or Alex Green, Caruso then hits he that three, you, then good then, luck. Then <laughs> then you go home knowing that you know that your season was ended by Danny Green. You have to live with that. You, but you know some, something else I really I want to point so, out real quick. I love just real quick. I love how the Heat handled that situation. How they defended it. Go ahead, Nathan. Oh, sorry. And I, and I agree. They they defended that really well. And and Danny Green, I feel I kind of feel bad for the man because he's getting memes made of him every <laughs> every time he looks left or right. Boy choked. Well, uh, one thing that that the the looking at the Lakers stats here, something that's really telling is they're either gonna have to figure out better defense or more offense with these two players, Kyle Kuzma and Rajon Rondo. Those two combined are a minus 30 on the floor. Kuzma's a minus 17. Rajon Rondo's a minus 13. Everybody else is either plus or they're barely minus at a minus two, minus six, and minus three. So those two guys in particular either had to pick up their defense or score more or both. Because if they continue to do that... The Heat's going to be walking away with this title. Well, one thing that we have seen is Rajon Rondo has done a really good job of facilitating when he is out there and, you know, getting the ball to LeBron in a way that, you know, not too many other guys are able to. Last night, he just struggled. He didn't look very good. He hasn't been necessarily a scorer. I think he had two points in game four. I don't know if he scored any last night, but he hasn't necessarily been the guy. So you don't need him to score. What you needed him to do is get the ball to LeBron, AD, in ways to where they are able to, you know, s- score. That's, right. That's what he has it, to do. Right. But but just what I'm getting at is that with those two on the floor combined, they're minus 30 points. Yeah. So yeah, you got to you've got to find a way to bring that up, or else you're not winning that because you can't have everybody else doing what they're doing. And then, you know, like you said, Rajon Rondo, he had four he had four points. He did have five assists, but he's still a minus 13. Yeah, and it, I'm really excited to see how this series ends up. Before we go to break, what do we have? Who do we have winning, Nathan Tucker? Do Are the Heat going to come back? Um, I mean, I'm riding it right now because I don't think that the Lakers have shown that other than the first two games of the series where I think everyone kind of started to make the assumptions of how the series is going. In the past couple of games, the Lakers look human and the Heat look like they can beat them. So right now, I think 
I think it's the it's any one series right now. I'm gonna say it's Heat and seven. Here's my wow. here's my take. Jimmy Butler has been an animal your last two games, but can j- j- he's become one of the only players in NBA history to have multiple triple doubles in one NBA Finals. Jimmy Butler might win the Finals MVP even if the Heat lose. This I'd series. love to say that, but the Heat they they'll never do it. There was no way they never do. They never will. And how can you not give it to LeBron? The league kisses up to LeBron enough to oh, yeah. the, they they won't do that. But in a LeBron free world, yeah, maybe. But I tell you what. At, it is. I'm not saying Jimmy Butler can't do it, but I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can realistically see him doing it two more times. So I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna say Lakers in seven right now. I would love to see the Heat beat LeBron. I'd love it, but it's still LeBron James. He still had 40 points last night. So for so, that, I'm gonna say LeBron right now, especially if Anthony Davis is fine, like he'll say on Sunday. Now, you know they're so, supposed so to say that. So let but me still. let me propose this idea. Lakers are up th- uh, three to two, right? Yeah. Three Why? Two, yep. If if Anthony Davis is being ailed at all, would you consider not playing him in Game Six, letting him heal up? No. And then if no. it goes to a Game Seven, the Heat have so many. The Heat have figured out the Lakers defense when he's not on the floor and he's such a he's such a big factor to them them defensively. So if you'd rather like try to win it in game six and hope that he doesn't hurt himself more than be healthier for a game a potential game seven. Yeah, I mean I think you have to because the Heat have just okay. shown on the court that he is so like Anthony Davis. Anthony ha- Davis has been the difference in this series. Yeah, yeah, entirely. And I don't think if the Lakers try to try to give Dwight Howard more minutes and maybe, you know, I could see that happening. Of you know, trying to maybe take a load off of Anthony Davis and you like Dwight Howard hasn't been playing that many minutes this series. You could shuffle him in there, and the the Lakers really like what Dwight gives them on defense. Even though last night Dwight absolutely smacked Jimmy Butler across the head and got should have got kicked out of the game for it should have got a flagrant two for it but didn't and yeah i mean i the the lakers cannot afford to play a game without anthony davis at this point because i think the heat would absolutely exploit that down the middle yeah i I would agree with that we're going to take a quick break when we come back we are going to have our nfl picks of the week we'll be back in just a moment you're listening to the wlca sports show to the WLCA Sports Show here on 89.9 College Radio's Best. I am Ethan Hannaford. The Nathan's in studio with me. It's time for our NFL Picks of the Week. We're going to start off with Panthers at Falcons. Nathan Piercy, who you got winning this one? I uh, Man, this is a tough one. Two teams that really aren't performing quite like I expect them to. I think I'm going to go with the Falcons on this one. I think they pull it out and finally figure out a way to win in the fourth quarter. Oh, bold, bold, sort of a bold take for uh-huh. a winless team. Nathan Tucker, how about you? So, someone's got to win. Someone's got to win that game, right? It might as well be the Falcons. Or they could tie. Okay. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair enough. That, that is true. They could tie. We've seen that once already this season. I'm going the opposite way, and in fact, I think I'm going to go in more of you know favored in the Panthers in just about every way. I think the Panthers, you know, the last couple of weeks have looked like a half-decent team. I think Teddy Bridgewater... So even without, even, even without, without Chris McCaffrey. Even without, even without CMC, yeah. I think that Teddy Bridgewater's looked really solid. They're at 2-2 two and two right now. 
I think that they get a win against a really bad Falcons team and, you know, improve to three and two. Next matchup, the Buffalo Bills and Tennessee Titans. This one has been moved to Tuesday. I think so, yeah. Tuesday. Okay, because there's Tuesday been, night action. There's maybe. been a bunch of CC, COVID crap. That's what I'm calling it now. <laughs> I like that. COVID crap. Um, so, yeah, this one's actually going to be that, fun. That's what the show was until sports came back, was just Stop COVID it. crap. <laughs> You're not wrong about that. Um, I got the Bills winning this one. I have 31 to 26. Josh Allen's playing like a top quarterback in the league right now. The Titans have not played in now over two weeks at this point. The Bills are hot and will take advantage of the Titans team that, in my opinion, is the weakest undefeated team left. Not that they're not good, but I think they're the weakest of them remaining, and I think the Bills are looking really solid right now. So I got 31-26 Bills. Yeah, I, I agree what you said about the Titans being the weakest undefeated team. They've kind of squeak, squeaked across the line in those games. Uh, you know, next, you have, the, you have the Chiefs team. You have the Chiefs who I think... I think the Chiefs will take that game there. It's, you know, Patrick, they got kind of a gimme last week against the Patriots and kind of got a little bit of a Didn't let. look too hot either. Yeah, so they got a bit of let off because they didn't have to play Cam Newton. Luckily, had to only face a Brian, Ho- Brian Hoyer who couldn't throw the ball. Or he couldn't have hit water if he fell out of a boat last week. That was so <laughs> bad. That was just, that, that was such terrible. That was, that was like preseason level football that we had to watch. I think... You know, the Raiders are going to be a bit of an actual challenge, which is, you know, <laughs> no. cra- crazy, right? But uh, I think the Chiefs will squeak through. I think I g- I'll give them 31-24 Chiefs. You know, and in that, in that Chiefs game, that was that, that, or the Chiefs-Patriots game, that was more of a, uh, a, a Bill Belichick defense that, that really held them in check. Uh, but in this, you know, this Cardinals, Cardinals versus Jets, that's that's going to be a a a bit of a, I don't want to say stinker, but not not the most intriguing matchup, I'd say. I think I think you guys would agree, but I think uh, Kyler Murray has finally got something going there in Arizona. I really like that the Cardinals team, the Jets, just are not the the Jets are the Jets. I'm going to put it that they lost to a third string last last Thursday in, in they're Denver. The level, they're on the level of. The you know Cleveland Browns like zero and sixteen team, yeah. Cincinnati Bengals like they are bad. Yeah, they don't have a running. They don't have a running back. They don't have much of a defense. I feel really bad for Sam Darnold. I do. I think too. Sam Darnold is a fairly <laughs> okay guy. player. And I just want to roll back. I've got the Bills I, and I've got the Chiefs as well. And I'm taking the Cardinals in this one. You know, as far as the Cardinals, I think that they've kind of surprised me. The last couple of weeks, they have not looked very good. Um, I think this is a perfect opportunity for them to kind of get back in that. I also think in that game, Chase Edmonds really takes over at running back. I think they're about done with Kenyon Drake. I think that, yeah, I would I would agree. Kenyon Drake's been awful. But uh, I think that this is a good opportunity for them to kind of get it back on track as far as, you know, the a mentality of winning the game. You have a, a very bad Jets team you're facing off against. So, yeah, I'll go Cardinals in this one also. Next matchup. The Philadelphia Eagles facing off against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are such a quiet team, I feel like. No one's talking about the Steelers, but they're quietly one of the best teams in the NFL right now. Big Ben has played great. This is a really solid Steelers team, and the Eagles, despite being on top in the NFC East, it looks like we're going to have back-to-back years. uh, That's a really loaded title. Really uh, loaded to be the best team in the NFC East. That means... 
That means very little in this it's, league. <laughs> it's going to be... It's the NFC least at this point. True. Got him. Punny. Very punny. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say Steelers win this one. Yeah, you know, I think something with the Steelers too, they've really done a nice job uh, with the pickup of Eric Ebron. I think he's really uh, brought a more dynamic flow to that that passing offense there and giving Big Ben a nice big target. Yeah, I got 38-21 Steelers in this one. Yeah, I think the Steelers will take it. I mean, the Eagles have been very Eagles this year. Uh, fly, Eagles, fly. They've been very Eagles this next, year. That's fair. Say so next up, we got the Rams versus the football team. Uh, the yes. Te- the team I love He's to hopping on the bandwagon. Yeah. <laughs> the team I love to hate versus a team with no name. Uh <sighs> Nathan Pearson, you haven't been on the last couple of weeks, but we don't refer to them as Washington. We just refer to them as football team. The so football team. The Rams oh, will be okay. defeating football team this week. Yeah. Uh, or whatever it is. Yeah. Maybe the football team I will mean, win. I, as much as I despise the Rams organization, uh, I, oh. don't think, I don't think that uh, the football team has any like chance of beating them this week. Did I, think. Did I see somewhere that they're, that they're going to bench Dwayne Haskins? Yes. yes, it's Kyle so Allen this week. Yeah, uh, I think the Nathans, you guys can both agree, not big fans of Stan Kroenke. <laughs> no, just a bit. Nah. Uh, yeah, Kroenke sucks. I think I think we were me and Piercy were both in uh, Scott Trade Center whenever the Blues game yeah. was going on, yeah. and the crowd was chanting Kroenke sucks there. <laughs> the the uh, day they, the they announced the that they moved, yeah. yeah, the cause the law. Yes. Hey, hey twenty twenty two, it's coming back, baby. You're. That's what we like to hear. Next match up, the Ravens facing off against the Bengals. Ravens at home. Nathan Piercy, who do you have in this one? I like the Ravens in this one. That uh, they they didn't look good against the Chiefs, but it looked like they they kind of picked things up. At least uh, Lamar Jackson did. You know, Joe Burrow. Uh, jo- sorry, Joe Burrow has looked good there for the Bengals, and Joe Mixon really went off. But I don't think this. The problem is, is this this Bengals secondary? They're very leaky, and they can get they let guys over the top. And I look for um, Marquise Hollywood Brown to have a big game there for for the Ravens. At least I hope so, because he's, he's on my fantasy, fantasy team. He's on my fantasy team too. <laughs> yeah. How's so, your team going? I I won my first game last week. Oof. Uh, yeah, but I'm outscoring like three teams ahead of me. Nice. Uh, anyway, I I think that's going to be a big problem, and then. Um, Lamar Jackson really likes uh, his tight end Andrews in the red zone, and the Bengals don't face off well against tight end, good tight ends. So I, I like the Ravens in this one, even though I think it's going to be a good matchup, especially at quarterback position. Not trying to flex or anything, but I'm 3-1 and one in my league. Not trying to flex, but uh, yeah, I just want to. I just want to put that out there that you know I'm basically more knowledgeable on. Con- congrats! No, I just got. I kind of got screwed. Like I had Saquon Barkley. Uh, oh yeah, poor guy, bro. <laughs> oh. If I had an aw sound, I would play it for you right now, but I don't yet. But I'm definitely exactly. Gonna, I'm definitely gonna add one just for you, and uh, I'll play it for you. I'll, I'll remind, I don't know how I feel about that. I'll remind us. I'll remind all of our listeners that you had Saquon on your team, and we'll do an aw sound for all of our Saquon. Or players, people that drafted Saquon and fantasy. And Chris and McCaffrey. McCaffrey. That's the top two draft oh, picks right there. That's rough. Yeah. Next matchup, uh, the Houston Texans facing off against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Texans are at home. First week playing without the GOAT, Bill O'Brien. Um, I picked the Texans 
to win the last three weeks, and I have been wrong the last three <laughs> weeks. Have I learned my lesson? Nope. Texans, uh, I have the Texans beating the Jaguars in what's going to be our crap game of the week. Yeah, the WLCA um, crap game of the week. <laughs> that, that's what it is now. Uh, this is These are two of the worst teams that's in the league. That's your crap game, not the Cardinals and Jets? I would say that I Texans, would Texans Jags Jags. is way worse. I would agree that it's uh, at least a little bit worse. Well, you know what, though? I think they really... They, Texans really hurt themselves when they get rid of Hopkins. Really? Like, Didn't know. Yeah, that's like... Deshaun has like no one Poor to throw Deshaun. to now. Deshaun's on my fantasy team. I feel bad for oh. him. This is, he's doing... He's holding his own. Now... Deshaun just has to throw the football to himself. I've yeah. been saying this. <laughs> he's holding his own as my starter, but uh, yeah. It's I, I'll nice. reveal who my quarterback is a little bit later on because they haven't come up yet. Okay, you do that. Um, I got, yeah, Texans up to winning this one 20-17. Yeah, I, I, I kind of expect a similar game. I think the Texans will be a little bit better. You know, they're no longer handcuffed by Bill O'Brien, and maybe that changes a little bit of the play calling. Uh Moving moving down against, we got the Niners and the Dolphins. I think, you know, this is another kind of, I would say, 50-50. Uh, you know, the Niners are a better team here by a good ways, I would say. And the Dolphins have shown those flashes. They're pretty mediocre. The Niners have Jimmy G and Raheem Mostert back this week, which will be big for them. That'll be, you know, uh, Ethan's pumping his fist. You can't see him. He's... Mostert's back. He's he's quietly he must be on his fantasy team. Yeah, he's quietly hooting he and ho hollering about his fantasy lineup. Uh, Low key. Yeah, uh, I'll say this game will go closer than I expect or some expect. And I'll say it'll be Niners twenty-eight twenty. I actually kind of like the Dolphins in this one. Oh, with, I, with Jimmy think, G back. Yeah, I, it's it's this Dolphins defense man has actually been really good, and so I. I I I kind of like and I like Fitz Magic, man. I think they figured something out there as well, and I I actually like the Dolphins in this one. Believe it or not, I have it close, but I still have the 49ers winning by a touchdown. Next matchup, Colts. So, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was say Colts and Browns. This one's really interesting to me because the Browns this year has one of the best rush is one of the is one number of if one. not the best. Yeah, they, they're the number one. Rush offense in the league. Colts are like top five in rush defense. So it's going to be a really interesting game. However, Odell Beckham Jr., also on my fantasy team, went off last week. And I'm hoping he has another big game. And I think it's going to be uh, a, a Browns team that's going to air it out a little bit more. And I think they're they're looking for that top, that are top wide receiver there and Odell Beckham Jr. to really do something there. I like the Browns in this one, but I think it's going to be a close one. Browns without Nick Chubb is going to be interesting to see what Kareem Hunt and Dearness Johnson can do. And I'm not really sure what, what's going on there with Phillip Rivers, but he doesn't really look like himself. Although they do have Jonathan Taylor making some big moves in their backfield as well. So I think it's going to be a running game. I think it's going to be low scoring. I think it's going to be like a 13 to 10 Browns. I think Phillip Rivers has looked half decent so far this season, better than last year at least. Um, I think that, like you said, Jonathan Taylor's looked really good. Um, the defense has been the big standout for the Colts this year. Keep in mind, Darius Leonard will not be playing this week. That will hurt them. So I'm going to go ahead and say the Colts win this one, but close. Next matchup, Cowboys, Giants. We can keep it very simple in this one. The Cowboys are the better team, um, despite the Giants, or sorry, despite the, their poor defense, the Giants' poor offense is even worse. So I got Cowboys beating Giants big, 35-13. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you're expecting any surprises there with that game. I think, 
you know, <laughs> the Giants are going to be right there alongside the Jets, probably at the bottom of the pile. And <laughs> yeah, some, I, great, some great football being played there at MetLife Stadium. Got to <laughs> say, yeah, I agree. And, and you know, the Cowboys have have gotten some really uh, much needed help uh, in the slot position from CD Lamb. I think he's looked really good this year. Yeah, so, yeah, CD Lamb has been probably one of the top, you know, rookies of that, uh, you know, in our rookie class this season. This rookie class in general has been outstanding. Yeah, I would say in very uh, different circumstances than what most rookies go through. A lot of guys really showing out this year. I think uh, lastly in our picks, uh, it'll be Broncos Patriots. Uh, you know, I think it'll be interesting this to see. This one moved to Monday also. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if there's more news that might postpone this game further because the Patriots have had a couple tests. The Patriots have yeah, had a couple guys test positive. Stephon Gilmore, big one that's yeah. that tested positive as well. Yeah. Uh, luckily for them, if it's not postponed, they probably don't need to be at full strength to beat this Broncos team. So I think even, you know, like potentially without Cam Newton, without, you know, other players, I think Patriots can still win this game by a good touchdown or so. Yeah, I agree. I think the Patriots win this one. Uh, the Broncos just, you know, Unless they can really get Jerry Judy going, I don't think they can they can do much here because as soon as you stop Melvin Gordon, you stop their entire offense. Yeah. <laughs> let's not talk too poorly about my Broncos team. Right? <laughs> let's, just, let's just move on. Next match. So, so this next one here, it's Vikings at Seattle, and I think this one's going to be a shootout. I really like both of these offenses. Uh, Russell Wilson, my fantasy quarterback, I think that was a really nice pickup for me on that one. Uh, and Russell Wilson's look, just looked really good all year. Vikings, they finally figured something out there with uh, Justin Jefferson, the the rookie wide receiver out of LSU. I think this is going to be a shootout, but I think the Seahawks win big, probably 42-35. Whoa. 35 points from the Vikings? I I think I think Kirk Cousins is going to have to air it out. And I think, like I said, they've got something figured out there with Justin Jefferson. I think I, I th- I, that's, that's just what I think, man. I think it's going to be a, a shootout game. Bold take. Bold take indeed. I'm going to go ahead and say Seahawks win this one 28-14. Final matchup, Chargers facing off against the Saints. I've been riding high on Justin Herbert the last couple of weeks. Justin Herbert's looked really good so far this season, despite his team not really. Did you see that like 60-yard bomb he threw last week? It was he's he's throwing dimes. It was the it was the perfect pass you could have exactly. They, they almost beat the Bucks if it wasn't for touchdown Tom last week clutching up. Speaking of touchdown Tom, did not clutch up this week against the Bears. <laughs> Oldest player to throw five uh, touchdowns in a game. He actually yeah. threw six. Just one was a pick six. But I mean, <laughs> here's the thing: is last week the Chargers had a big lead on the Buccaneers. Tom Brady, you know, infamous for being able to come back from those, you know, uh, come back from l- l- late deficits. You never count Drew, out touchdown, Tom. Drew Brees, on the other hand, right now is not looking very good throwing the ball. So I'm going to go ahead and pick the Chargers in this one. I got them 31-27. Yeah. So I like that pick. Drew Brees, yeah, Drew Brees is interesting because he'll throw for 300-plus yards and have a couple touchdowns, but also – understand everyone understands that like 15 of his passes are going to be terrible so it's it just it's just the law of averages that if you throw the ball that many times some of them are bound to be good and some of them are bound to be bad for him at this point yeah i would agree with that we're gonna take the saints real quick i know we're gonna get to break but the saints to me look like a, a much different team without michael thomas 
Well, he should be back this week. So maybe that changes things for them. Either way, we got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have take it or leave it for you here on the WLCA Sports Show. Take it. Leave it. Leave it. Take it. Leave it. Take it. It's take it or leave it on the WLCA Sports Show. All right. It's time for some take it or leave it here on 89.9. All right. First one, take it or leave it. The Cardinals see at least two changes for starting positions in the 2021 season. Pitchers not included. Nathan Tucker. I'm going to leave that just because history tells us that the Cardinals will not make big moves to make big changes. At, and I tend to think that that's going to be the case this offseason unless I don't really see anyone jumping off the page for the Cardinals to sign at this moment. And or at least that would be in the range of Cardinals signings because I don't think they would make a big, a really big splash this year. So I'm going to leave it. Nathan Piercing? If the... Well, I guess not, no. Um, I see I see maybe one. I know they're going to pursue George Springer. But I think other you, than that... You know that? Huh? You know that? I mean, it's been, there's been multiple reports about it. Um, oh. Have you seen anything on that? I guess I haven't just yeah, seen anything. I, I've seen a little... I think that's probably as big as they've gone. Right. Going. But, yeah. I mean, in terms of, of that, I don't think they're going to do much. They may have one outfield spot that's a little different. Other than, or maybe a, a, a Michael Bradley Jr. Or no, was that who I was? Michael Brantley. That's yeah. what I'm thinking of. Uh, Michael Brantley. I always get him and Jackie Bradley Jr. mixed up. Anyway, uh, maybe one of those guys, but probably not both. I think if they're going to make a big move, it's going to be next off off season, not this off season. So I'm going to leave it. I think that, man, I want to take it, but I'm not very confident. And I could see one, but I think that I could see more likely doing having a big trade constructed at the trade deadline this upcoming season you're going to have and my guy that i'm talking about right now is francisco lindor and we'll talk about this more in upcoming weeks but he's going to be a free agent not this offseason but next offseason i think you could probably work out a decent like trade to give you know the indians something but also not give away your entire farm system like you would have to with nolan arenado so i'm really riding high right now on Francisco Lindor and him eventually getting here, but we'll talk about that more in upcoming weeks. Next one, take it or leave it before his career ends. LeBron James becomes the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. He needs a little over 4,000 points to do so right now. He would have to average 25.3 points per game, which is what he averaged this season, for the next 163 games, which is pretty much two whole seasons. Take it or leave it. Can you do it, guys? I'll, I'll take it. So, I mean, I think LeBron is probably going to play another, you know, I would say four or five years, probably a little more maybe. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure what, how much tread he really has on those tires. I mean, we it, it's hard to imagine LeBron has been in the league for nearly 20 years at this point, but he... This is year 17, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, I think he still has enough in the tank to keep going for a handful more years. And I definitely to, think to be one be of the best in the league, probably, yeah. or a top five in the league for the next couple of years. Yeah, I would and say. Then, and then maybe he slips into a more, like, if he wants to, of course, because he, he's he has, talked about wanting to play until Bronny gets up to the league. Yeah. Cause that, that, that's something, you know, I'm interested in and I want to see if, he tries to actually play with his son. We try to have we have like another Ken Griffey kind of situation there, which would be really cool in be basketball. Awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah, I take it. I think LeBron's definitely going to and he's going to end his career as the best of all time by Le- far. Agreed. Nathan 
Piercy, take yeah, it, leave it. I'm, I'm going to take it. I, I mean, if he doesn't stays on this average for two years, he's going to get it. And I think he plays more than two years, even if his average drops down a little bit. I'm, I'm going to take it. I think it's an, it's an, it's a no-brainer there. Yeah, I would agree. I'm taking it, but I think it'll happen more so three seasons probably than two because I do think that that what we saw this year, I think he probably slowly transitions into more of a facilitator rather than a scorer and a scorer when he needs to be. So I'm going to go ahead and take it also, but a little bit more than two seasons. Next one, take it or leave it, the St. Louis Blues 2020 first-round draft pick, Jake Neighbors is up with the club in the next two seasons. Nathan Piercy, take it or leave it. I'm going to leave it. He's a left-handed defenseman. And oh, he's a winger, I thought. No. Uh, I'm pretty oh, sure yeah, he is a left winger. Wow, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of Scott Prunovich. Uh, I, that's, that's tough, man. That's a tough because they have a lot. They've got just a lot of guys that are kind of backed up here. I mean, you've got Nathan Walker. He's a left wing. You've also got... Excuse me, sorry. Uh, you've got a bunch of center. Uh, Trepchenko, you got to you got to wonder what he can do. Lafreriere. It's gonna be it's gonna be difficult. I don't think it, within two years, especially with that with all the guys that you've kind of got lined up currently in the, on the team. Maybe not in two years, but I'd say maybe three to four. Yeah, I would agree. I uh, you know just kind of looking, he had. Last year in the, oh, the OHL, is that what he was in last year? What yeah, a, I think so. Um, he had 70 points in 64 games. I don't, I think it'll take him a little bit more time to develop. I think he still has a little ways to go. So I'm going to, I would also agree maybe the, the more towards the four, three, I, I, four years. I will say I'm, ex, I'm excited for it because they're comparing him a lot to a size-wise to like a Milan Lucic, but play-wise better. <sighs> Nathan Tucker? Uh, yeah, I'm going to leave him being with... I mean, I could see him getting maybe a game, a couple games, something like that in the next couple of years. It's just like a run, you know, filling in for an injury, something like that. You know, because I, I think right now it's almost a similar story to when the Blues got Clem Costin, and he's kind of in that similar build of a bigger uh, winger type, you know, bigger winger. I, right now, Clem Costin is in the KHL. And he will be back with the team after the KHL season or whenever the Blues actually start their training camp. Uh, I think, you know, like Nathan Piercy hit, hit the nail on the head, there is a bit of a log jam in that spot for the Blues. So it'll be just really a matter of if he can show in the minors what he's shown in the OHL and juniors. And if he, if he can be the guy who's in juniors at the minor league level, I think, yeah, he'll be... I think he'll be a presence for the Blues in the future, but I don't think he'll be up truly in the next two years. So I'll leave for that. Next one, take it or leave it. The NFL postpones or skips a week due to COVID outbreak in the league. I'm going to take this one. Reason being is in the last couple, the last 10 days or so, I mean, cases have gone, uh, have increased um, rapidly. We've seen games moved around. I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL, you know, moves everything back a week. And just says, okay, let's figure this out. If we, what do we need to change protocol wise to figure this out? So I'm going to go ahead and take this one, Nathan Tucker. Yeah, I'm going to leave this actually because I think what they're going to do is kind of go another way. Instead of skipping a week, they'll put an extra week on the end of the season and potentially shuffle any games that need to be moved or rescheduled to that end of season date, and then you can kind of give teams an extra week to prepare for the playoffs, at least the teams that are in that position to do so. And 
I've heard I've heard uh, you know ESP on ESPN and a couple other sports shows where they've kind of t- this, uh, kind of kicked around the idea of the NFL potentially adding that extra week toward the end of the season. I could I think that would probably be the most likely answer. So I'll I'll leave them actually skipping a week and just I I'll take them just adding an extra week toward the end of the season. I'm going to I'm going to leave this one. I think it's mainly because the the owners like money too much. <laughs> that too. Well, that's why I'm saying and not saying skip a week. I'm saying push it back. Push, no, push I don't. Back. No, I think they're just going to play it like it is because they don't want to extend everything out too long. Um, but if there is to be, you know, more major COVID problems, uh, I, I mean, I could see it happening, but the way the, this league is, I just don't think, I don't think, I don't think they do that. I think it's going to be, they're going to play it like it is. And if a team has to skip, a, if a team has to skip a week, then maybe they play it like the MLB where at the end of the season, if that game matters, in terms of playoffs and everything, then yeah, play it. But if it doesn't, no, oh, I'll just don't worry about it. All right, final one: Illinois guard Io Desumnu. Io, how do you say? Is that Io Desumnu? Okay, ends the 2021 season in the top three for the Wooden Award. Nathan Tucker, uh, I'm gonna take it. I, Illinois, this is my homer answer here. My homer pick here. Illinois is a dark horse to win the national championship. They're a projected season. one seed right now. Yeah, I think. Maybe not even a dark horse as much as they. I think they were a little bit. I think you know the experts are starting to kind of see like this is going to be a really deep team that was a good team last year and has everyone returning now and now is you know probably one of the deepest in all of college basketball. Io is a star, and I think him choosing to come back is going to help build his you know his, is going to help build his resume for the NBA even more. And, I, yeah, I take it. I think he's going to be a favorite for that. I w- I'll take it also. Uh, Nathan Piercy, before we go to break, take it or leave it. I'm actually going to leave it, and I think it's simply because Illinois, to me, doesn't get the, the same recognition as a lot of the other places do, and so it's it's going to be a little bit under the radar. I mean, they don't get the same national attention in college basketball as like a, a Duke and, and, and teams like that. So, to me, I'm going to leave it just because of that. All right, well, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will be having on station manager and college football aficionado. Um, I said I had a little Italian yeah, to, little, little little accent to it, but I don't know. Do you, it sounds like a word you can do that with. All right, we'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to the WLCA Sports Show. Welcome back to the WLCA Sports Show here on 89.9. We are here, we promise. We are here, yeah, my goodness. It's been a, it's been a slow morning. We are joined by station manager and college football aficionado, Mike Lemons. I, I, I like the ring to it. What do you think, Mike? Uh, it's better than expert, I guess. I guess. You don't sound very excited about that. Well, you know, I think it I think it just pipes me up just a little bit too much. I'm a guy who likes college football and knows a little bit about it. How about that? Okay, well, this is a sports show, and we have to hype it up for our listeners to be excited for you. So I'm leaving it at that. So last week we saw a couple of, or not a couple, five actually, top 25 teams upset. Some of them more important than others. Um, we saw TCU defeat number nine Texas kind of like you talked about last week and I hate to say it but the Longhorns have a loss um, or have one loss in the category now they lost 33-31 we also saw Arkansas knock off as uh, Nathan Tucker put it put it Mike 
Leach's air raid, 21-14. The air raid was not uh, panning out last week very well. It was deflated. <laughs> it was. Uh, Iowa State defeated Oklahoma 37-30. Uh, the Sooners go down for the second week in a row. And then we also saw North Carolina State um, defeat number 24 Pittsburgh 30-29 to and then SMU the Mustangs defeating number 25 men's Memphis 30-27 to so like I said obviously some of these more important than others now that TCU knocks off Texas are I mean I know we can't officially rule out the Big 12 because you still have Oklahoma State but what are really the odds that Oklahoma State makes it to the playoffs is the Big 12 done Mike you know um, no not completely but just to talk about some of those games you mentioned last week, you know, we did talk about TCU being able to beat Texas. They beat them last year. Texas may have been looking forward. You wouldn't think so because, you know, TCU beat them last year. Um, but today's game, the Red River rivalry game, is not as big with that Texas loss. Uh, Mississippi State, we even talked about that one. You know, uh, Costello threw for, what, 600 and some odd yards the week before uh, playing uh, against a man-to-man defense. You know, this week he had he still threw for 313 yards. He only threw the ball 59 times though instead of 60 times. Oh but, man, big he, difference. Could, he could he completed a lot more of those passes, and but he threw three picks. So it makes you wonder if Costello um, really knows how to read a defense and how to work within a zone coverage. Do you know? Is he a freshman? I don't believe so. No. It'll be. I'm assuming this won't be his last year in the league, though. Is that correct? I'm not really sure on that. So I'll be interested to see, you know, if he gets a little bit of a more experience, um, you know, how they can do at Mississippi State, you know, eventually with Mike Leach there, how that could work out in the future. Maybe just not there yet, but, you know, definitely, you know, can, you know, mess up the rankings a little bit at this point. So uh, last week we also saw a couple of um, big-time matchups um, but the biggest one was number four, Georgia, facing off against number seven, Auburn. And that game ended, I mean, it was over really from the start. Georgia dominated from start to finish. We're up 24 to three at half, scored on four of their first five drives, ended up winning 27 to six. What did this game tell you about both of these teams, Mike? Well, I think it told us that Georgia is as good as we thought they were. <laughs> um you know, it's going to be incredibly hard for anyone to run against Georgia. I mean, Auburn had 39 rushing yards total. Um, you know, we talked about Georgia having three potential quarterbacks. Stetson Bennett uh, is the guy right now. He threw for 240 yards. It's solid. It, you think, okay, 240. People throw for that all the time. But you throw for 240, and you still had 202 rushing yards as a team as well. Um, that's pretty impressive. And not just now, against Auburn, any Mojo team. It's against the number seven team in the nation. Right, and and Auburn is still scary. I mean, you know, you're going to see Auburn on your schedule and it's still going to freak you out a little bit, know that you need to prep. But uh, Georgia's really good. That defense is really, really good. And um, it, it just excites me for the game next week, um, looking forward between Georgia and Alabama. I think that's going to be – I think it's going to be really, really good. So is Georgia – you know, they moved up one above Florida, and I think that's right. I think they are the third-best team in the country. And um, it <laughs> – Going back, talking about the Big 12, is the Big 12 done? You know, probably. The cool thing about the Big 12, though, is that you have three or four teams with one losses and then some really big wins, and you go, okay, who is really the team in the Big 12 that's going to do something? But then you go to the to the SEC um, with Bama and Georgia and Florida, and you go, okay, there's going to be some beating up going on there. 
Um, I don't think the Big 12 gets a team in, but that conference is kind of exciting because no one plays defense and there's a lot of offense. Um, but yeah, I think Georgia Georgia proved that, that they're elite and um, next week's game is going to be really, really fun. So Mike, I know, I know at the uh you know, right before the season started, we kind of talked about how uh, the Big 12 were going to try to beat, beat each other up, and it looks like that's kind of happening right now, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was big on Oklahoma, right? I was big on Rattler, and Rattler is still an incredible playmaker. He's a fantastic quarterback. Oklahoma probably has the most talent, um, but they have two losses. I think they bounce back today. Um, Oklahoma State, you know, they're they're good, but you know they still have to play. They're off this week. I think they play Baylor, and then it's like Iowa State. They play. They have to play Oklahoma. Have to play K State. They have to play Tech. They have to play TCU. I mean, are they going to run through that? I don't think so. So, yeah, um, the Big Twelve, unfortunately, I, I don't think makes the playoffs. But it's it's going to make for a fun season every week because you just don't know. You just don't know. Yeah, and it, it will be really um, fun to watch that for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think I kind of thought the Big 12 didn't really have a chance even when Oklahoma was going didn't, to. Didn't be. you have three SEC teams in at yes. the beginning? Yeah. Do you still? Um, maybe not because we have the Big 10. We have Ohio State now. Okay. So that's kind of shuffled things around. And, you know, Clemson, we'll talk about, you know, later when we preview that game a little bit tonight to probably the biggest game of the weekend. Uh, yeah, I think you know Clem- Clemson's probably going to be up there, but I think they're going to be you know I think it'll be an interesting game tonight, and that'll maybe swing things around a lot. Uh, going back a little bit to Georgia Auburn, I thought that game really displayed the true gap between that like elite level of college football that you know a Georgia is at, that an Alabama is at, and then just under that is a massive drop off. Even if Auburn is a top 10 team in the country, seven team at the time, they play, you know, it was such a clear difference. It was night and day between watching those two teams play football. Georgia completely dominated that game. You know, I think Georgia probably would have wanted a little more explosive, like a little more explosiveness out of their, you know, out of their play. But again, like you said, Mike, you know, you had over 200 rushing yards, so t- less than 300 passing yards doesn't look that bad when you're running the ball so effectively. And yeah, I mean, I think it. Yeah, the SEC is going to be a dogfight. The Big 12's go- Big 12 dogfight will probably not. Well, I, I don't think will affect the playoff picture at this point, but it'll definitely be fun to watch all season. Yeah. Hey, hey, Mike, real quick, I want to talk about the SEC here and uh, focusing a little bit on Alabama as well. You know. You got Nick Saban going up against Lane Kiffin, one of his former uh, former assistants, and we kind of know what Nick, Nick Saban's been able to do. Do you think that, that uh, Kiffin's going to be able to give him a problem at all there, or is anyone in the SEC really going to give Alabama a big push? Um, Georgia will give Alabama a push next, next week? week. Next week? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, that will be the game. I mean, that's going to be the biggest game of the year so far. Um, so, yeah, Georgia will give him a push. Today, you know, um, Len Kiffin has has that offense rolling. I mean, Ole Miss is going to put up some points. I think uh, the over-under of that game is, like, set at 68 or something. I think they're going to go well over that because I think they'll both score. This is, Ole Miss can't play defense, so Bama's going to throw up a ton of points. Miss is, Ole Miss is going to throw up some points. But, you know, Nick Saban is 20-0 and against former assistants. 
and um, I think it's 21 and 0 after today. Will it be 22 and 0 after next week? I, let's let's save that for next week. <laughs> let's talk about that then. You know, focusing more on this week, uh, you know, rather than last week, um, a big matchup uh, this upcoming week, like uh, Nathan Tucker said, number seven Miami taking a trip to face off against number one Clemson. What does Miami have to do to knock off the Tigers in this game? I think they're going to have to score early um, just to... You know, they're going to come in hyped, and if they can score early, they can stay hyped. Um, so that has to happen. If they were to get down by two scores, if they got down by 10 or 14 early, I think, um, you know, Nathan was just talking about how the drop-off in talent, and although Miami's been playing well, I mean, they beat UAB, uh, they beat Louisville by 13, who lost by 19 to Georgia Tech last night, and they beat Florida State, who is obviously kind of rebuilding that program. So this is a whole different ball game for Miami. I mean, I I don't think the game's going to be interesting at all. I think I think Clemson's going to absolutely kill them and you're going to see that disparity between the elite and the next level like Nathan just talked about. So do you think then that Miami will give Clemson their most competition this season or do you think that or maybe a Virginia team they faced last week that was in it for there for a little while will will have given Clemson more competition, or maybe Notre Dame up future like later in yeah, the season. Yeah, I, I think Notre Dame would be their biggest test, and that's uh, I think the first week in November. Uh, I think that will be the biggest test for them. I don't think Miami will be today uh, tonight at all. Uh, maybe at the end of the season you've got a Virginia Tech team that's playing decent, um, and who knows what's going on by then? Whether you're still healthy or not, or you know, what's going on, but no, I, I don't think Miami gives them the test today. Uh, Notre Dame may in, in next month, um, but I mean, Clemson probably is going to go undefeated. Yeah, I think I'd probably have to agree, and we're going to talk about more of those picks in just a moment. When we come back, you are listening to the WLCA Sports Show on 89.9. <laughs> It's the WLCA Sports Show that you are listening to. Uh, we're going to be talking about our picks of the week. We're joined by Mike Lemons, our college football aficionado. There, I didn't hype it up as that, mu- that much at time. I think that's what I'm going to do from now on. I just won't hype up the word aficionado. No like, Italian accent. I guess I was just excited about a, you know, the change, the change to it. But uh, we'll we'll keep it a little bit more low key from now on. Uh, first matchup. Of the week. It's going to be a fun one. I'm really excited for this game. Number 24, Iowa State, is facing off against Texas Tech. And like we've been talking about, this division has just been beating each other up. I have Texas Tech upsetting Iowa State. I mean, I just, like I said, it's been all over the place. I think this is a very, those teams later in the 20s have been, we have, they, they're in there and then they're gone because they're getting upset. So I got Texas Tech winning this one. How about you, Mike? Uh, I don't. I mean, it could happen, sure. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored because it's a Big 12 game. Um, But I think Iowa State's going to win this one. Texas Tech, I mean, their defense is horrible, which isn't saying much considering they're in the Big 12 and there's horrible defense in the Big 12. But uh, I I think Iowa State wins. Yeah, say if Brock Purdy actually, you know, plays up to his potential against that Texas Tech defense, that's, you know, that he could have a field day potentially and he could, 
you know, it's just mostly up to the guys around them to kind of live, you know, live up to their end of the bargain on offense for them. They could potentially dominate if possible, if that's possible. Yeah, for me, it's it's Iowa State. And, you know, these Big 12 games are kind of always hard to pick for me. Kind of like Mike said, with no defense, it's kind of a toss-up every week in my opinion. But uh, I like Iowa State in this one. They're riding high off a big upset win over Oklahoma. Next matchup. Number 22, Texas, facing off against Oklahoma, Red River rivalry. Not as exciting this year, you know, with the losses for both of these teams. Not as hyped up, but it's always a fun one to watch. Who do you have winning this one, Nathan Tucker? You know, I think it's obviously lost a bit of luster. I think at the beginning of the season, it was kind of billed as one of the be- you know better football games we'd get to see this season. And now it's a matchup of... You know, a, a nearly unranked Texas and an unranked Oklahoma. So, you know, I think t- Oklahoma is going to kind of step up to the moment. You know, the the uh, 25% Red River rivalry crowd will be at the Cotton Bowl. <laughs> the electric. <laughs> Absolutely electric. Yeah, the electric atmosphere that'll be there, I'm sure. You know, coming into the season, the, you know, the day we, t- we, when I was on and we talked about the season coming up, this matchup seemed huge. I mean, you had two young, exciting quarterbacks in Sam Ellinger and uh, Spencer Rattler facing off. So, and I still think that's going to be exciting. But you know, a one loss in a Texas versus it just a, doesn't mean a, as a, much now, right? A two loss Oklahoma just doesn't mean nearly as much. Say so now it's a, instead of it being prime time game of the week, it is now going to kick off in twenty minutes, right? And it'll just be not be as big of an event. I yet. think I like Texas though in this one. I think they've guys they, they've looked better overall so far this year. So I'm gonna take Texas in this one. Yeah, I think that kind of what Mike talked about last week in that you know Texas may have been kind of focusing on this matchup a little bit too early, kind of killed them. I think that's really spot on. Honestly, I'm gonna go ahead and say that Texas though does get the win in this one. Uh, I've ridden high on Texas all year. If I don't pick them against Oklahoma, then who am I? So I'm going to go ahead. Uh, if if they lose this, then we can change it all up. But I got to pick them against Oklahoma because that's who uh, I had them originally beating. I respect I, you sticking to your guns. <laughs> How about you, Mike? Uh, I like Oklahoma. I mean, Rattler's a fantastic quarterback. He just he needs to cut down on some of the mistakes. I mean. The last week's game, he, he throws into double coverage in the end zone at the end of the game, and you just you can't do some of that. But I think Oklahoma has the better talent. I think they right the ship today, and they they beat Texas. Next matchup: the Missouri Tigers facing off against number seventeen LSU. The Tigers versus the Tigers in Columbia. It is an LSU home game in Columbia oh, it, because they've moved it because oh. of a hurricane. Yeah, because of the hurricane. Yeah. Ah, First time okay. ever LSU has played in Columbia. How about that? Well, I can't see it going very well for the Tigers. Um, how about you, Mike? You know, I, I think Missouri might be able to keep this close. Um, I, I still think LSU wins. They just too many weapons. Even even losing a lot of starters, they you know they just they're able to recruit better than than Mizzou uh, can. So I, I like LSU, but I don't. Uh, I think it's within the number. I mean, the number is fourteen and a half. I think, and I even think after last in, week versus Tennessee. Yeah, I think they keep it inside that. I really do. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and say LSU, but I say LSU big. I had Mizzou beating Tennessee last week, and they just completely well laid an egg. So I got LSU winning big. How about, what were you saying, Nathan? Well, Pearson? you, you got to remember though with LSU, you got Drinkwitz coming in, who's a new coach. Uh, with everything going on with COVID, he didn't get to spend much time with his team. So I think they're slowly going to progress as the year goes on. 
I like. I, I'm I'm kind of with Mike. I, I'm with. I'm picking LSU, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think it's going to be. And I think that's because you know Dr- Drinkwitz. He's getting more familiar with these players. He's they're they're getting more familiar with that offense and with the defense. It's going to be just a lot. It's I th- I think slowly you're going to see more. Uh, smoother play with Mizzou, and you know I, I said this before, but I feel bad for Drinkwitz. I mean, you started off and here, welcome to the SEC. Here's Alabama, and then two weeks later, here's LSU. So in Tennessee, ranked in between them, also exactly. So it, it, you know he's had a tough start at, at Mizzou, but but I think he's he's got what it takes to start building it up. Uh, but LSU wins in a close one. Yeah, I don't necessarily think it'll be that close of a game. I, Mizzou's defense, I think, will get a little bit exploited here. I think LSU's offense is probably better than Tennessee's, even though, you know, they're not ranked quite as high. I mean, just barely by three spots. But yeah, I think it's going to be LSU probably, you know, by a couple scores. Next matchup, number thirteen Auburn facing off against Arkansas. Auburn is at home in this one. Mike, who do you got? Auburn. You know, Arkansas. You know. Congrats to them last week and what they were able to do. But um, I think Auburn bounces back after losing to Georgia last week. They're still a really, really good team. They just faced a much better team last week. So I have Auburn. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that Auburn's clearly the better team. Had a little hiccup last week, just faced a team that was just better than them. But, yeah, I think they recover smoothly this week. Nathan Tucker? Yeah, I'll go with the consensus here. I think it'll be... Auburn by probably like 20 points or so. Piercy, you agreeing Auburn in this one? Yeah, I agree. And I think Bo Nix has a big game. I think he's really looking to improve his draft stock. Agreed. Next matchup, Notre Dame playing their first game in... Uh, it's been Two weeks. Two, yeah. Okay, two weeks. Okay. Yeah, facing off against the Seminoles. I got Notre Dame in this one. The Seminoles just are nothing special. They have proven... me. They absolutely. really struggled they've against proven, Jacksonville State. They've proven it, exactly. They've proven absolutely nothing to me this year that they can stay in this game with the Irish. So I got Notre Dame winning big. How about you, Nathan Tucker? Yeah, I I think Notre Dame could run away with this one by you know thirty or more at this point. I mean, but also I also I also think Notre Dame could walk in there and kind of not expect too much of FSU and get a closer game than they expect just because they're overlooking it themselves more than Florida State being you know playing up to the game. I think Notre Dame will win it comfortably. You agreeing, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Notre Dame, actually three weeks. They were off for two weeks, so first game in three weeks. Um, Yeah, they're going to come in ready to play, and I just, I mean, Florida State just, you know, they need to fix some things. They're not very good, but Notre Dame's going to come in today and just, uh, they want to prove that they're worthy of that number five ranking, and they're going to roll all over Florida State. Uh, Yeah, I would agree. Nathan Piercy, you agreeing? Yeah, I agree. And and Notre Dame, or kind of like what Mike was saying earlier, is Florida State kind of rebuilding that program. So Notre Dame's going to win big. Next matchup, Alabama. The Crimson Tide facing off against Ole Miss. Like Piercy said, Saban facing one of his assistants. He's had success in the past. Does he continue having success today, Mike? Yeah, I think Alabama rolls. But, you know, Alabama in the end, they've let up some things into the games and they've they've had some some defensive uh, um, gaffes, I guess. Hiccups. A little hiccup. But, you know, I think Alabama is clearly the much better team. However, Old Miss can score. You know, I don't know about the spread and the number. It's twenty-two somewhere on twenty-two, twenty-three. I think. Um, but but the big thing here is there there will probably be a lot of points scored in this game. So, you know, I think it's going to be north of seventy, maybe even eighty points scored in this game. Wow! But I like Alabama. All right. Well, we have four ranked 
um, ranked on ranked matchups this week. For the first one, an SEC showdown between the Florida Gators and the Texas A&M Aggies. This one is at College Station, home of the Aggies. Mike, who do you have one in this one? Um, I like Florida today, um, but they're going to have to get better on defense. They, I mean, they're just not the defense of Florida before. Uh, A&M hasn't, hasn't done much. I mean, they didn't look very good two weeks ago. They didn't look good last week against uh, Alabama. I, you know, Texas could step, A&M could step up and give them a game, um, but it kind of makes you wonder why that spread's only five and a half. Um, Nathan Piercy? Yeah, you know, I think uh, uh, Florida really wants to prove that they are they're here to contend uh, not only for the SEC, but also for the college football playoff. And I, th- I think they realize that, and they, I think they're going to have to step up and play huge, and I think they do today. Yeah, I think this game is probably the single best quarterback battle we'll probably see today. Yeah, A&M's QB, Kellen Mons, looked really good this season, and Kyle Trask for the Gators. I think, you know, the, those two are probably some of the more, you know, as just a head-to-head matchup today, probably the two best quarterbacks facing each other. I think it'll be Gators, but it'll be a high-scoring fun one, 38-31. Yeah, I agree. I think it'll be a close one. I think it'll be a high-scoring one. It's going to be a good matchup, but I have the Gators also. Next matchup, number 19, Virginia Tech facing off against number 12, North Carolina. I have um, Virginia Tech upsetting the Tar Heels in this one. Last week, North Carolina faced off against Boston College and did not look good at all. So I think that uh, Virginia Tech uh, gets a a win today and uh, knocks the Tar Heels out of any sort of you know, dark horse playoff consideration. How about you, Nathan Piercy? Yeah, I I agree. I mean, Virginia Tech, especially, um, you know, I think they want to they want to prove that they should be there and maybe even give Clemson a run. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think it, for them, it starts with North Carol- knocking off North Carolina. And I think they do that. Mike, I hate to say it, but I agree with you guys. Um, <laughs> How did that taste coming out of your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think Virginia Tech is, is um, you know, and you have to watch the trend, too. That line has moved from five down to two and a half. So there's a lot of people, uh, a lot of experienced um, gamblers, if you will, not to promote gambling. That's not what we're doing. We're just saying watch the trend from five down to two and a half. Um, somebody knows something. I like Virginia Tech. Yeah, I think I think this will be a really close game. I'm going to be the one that goes the opposite way here. I mean, I think this is basically a toss-up. I think, you know, UNC has the capability to win a game. It's just, you know, they've struggled to do so at times this season. I think this will be a, you know, one, like a field goal, one possession type game that North Carolina just squeaks out. Next matchup, another SEC showdown, one that is going to be fun to watch also. The Volunteers facing off against Georgia and Athens. Mike, who do you have one in this one? Uh, I, I like Georgia. Uh, once again, I just think they're a much, much better team. Uh, one of the elite teams. Um, Tennessee, you know, South Carolina and Mizzou. All right. Now you're playing Georgia. I think Tennessee keeps it tight early, but I think Georgia pulls away. So winning big, you think? Uh, I, I Double digits for sure. Yeah, I agree. I think... This will be almost a repeat of Georgia and Auburn. I think Georgia will be able to stretch their legs out a little bit, and I think they're going to win even by even more, probably by, I would say, by over 20. Yeah, I think I would agree. I, I mean, Tennessee has proven you know, the last couple weeks, but last week was a good win for them because I think Mizzou, you know, was kind of feeling decent, you know, being able to play with Alabama, and they shut them down pretty much completely. So I think that this will be, 
you know, a, a game for a half, maybe even three quarters. But I think that Georgia is just going to kind of like we've talked about, going to show that they are in that top tier of college football teams compared to Tennessee, who's maybe a tier or two down. So, yeah, Georgia wins big. How about you, Nathan Piercy? Yeah, Georgia, you know, going into last week's game, Georgia versus Auburn, I was expecting that to be a much closer, much more contested game than it was. And I think, like you said, it really proved uh, what type of team that Georgia is. And so I think Georgia wins this one big. All right, our WLCA Game of the Week Top 10 Showdown in the ACC. One of the most exciting games we're going to see in the ACC all year. The Hurricanes, the U, are they back? We're going to find out today. Number 7 Miami facing off against Clemson on the road. Nathan and Tucker, who do you have? I'm going to lead this one off, and I'm going to take that upset. I, oh. I love that upset. Wow. He likes his Miami teams. Yeah, I, yeah I'm going to say that maybe my uh, Miami Heat fandom is uh, giving me rose-tinted glasses here and starting to <laughs> seep over into uh, – I mean, I didn't take the Dolphins today. I didn't think. I don't think the Dolphins are going to win. I don't think – I don't have <laughs> that He did saying. pick the Heat in seven, Mike, just letting you know. <laughs> just saying. It's, it's going to happen. Playoff Jimmy. Uh <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, I think Miami's really explosive. They haven't played the same level of team. Like, this is going to be the first team that they've played, obviously. I think, you know, you look at their schedule, UAB doesn't necessarily match up to a Clemson. But, you know, Miami's Don't been... Don't on the Blazers. <laughs> hey, they're back. They're back, at least. <laughs> uh, you know, Miami's quarterback, Derek King, he gives them a chance. The Canes have been winning by a ton. So they, they haven't really played anyone, but they've been playing con- convincing, winning football. They have a lot of speed. Uh, it'll be really, for me, uh, my my personal uh, side story of this game, it'll be really interesting if the defense that spawned the turnover chain will be able to end Trevor Lawrence's streak of not throwing an interception, which is almost a year old now. I believe it's a year old next week. Now I think you're just trying to jinx them. It'll be interesting to see kind of how that works out. I, that defensive line, if they can create some pressure on uh, Trevor Lawrence, they have... Um, the, the I think the, I like that defensive line, but I I just can't agree um, that they beat Clemson. I think that this is a better game than Mike was saying earlier. I do see you know this being a, a probably a, a ten to fourteen point win for the Tigers, especially after last week in a game where I wasn't really impressed with Clemson overall against Virginia. Um, I have the Tigers winning, but it's uh, it's it's more of a competitive game than people think. Nathan Piercy, how about you? Nathan Tucker is right only if Miami can maintain a much larger possession and keep Trevor Lawrence and, and Etienne off the field. Yeah. However, I don't think they do that, and I think Clemson wins, but I do think it's a clo- it's a much closer one than some people may think. Uh, I, I've got Clemson winning by a touchdown. Mike Lemons? I think you all are crazy. <laughs> as, I feel like as, I've heard that as, before from you. As Tucker, as as Nathan Tucker said, you know he's he's probably looking at it with his with his Miami Homer glasses a little bit, and I'm probably looking at it the other way with my disdain for mo- for most teams that come from Florida. Um, I, I'm not a Miami fan whatsoever, and I just they've been winning against subpar talent. Clemson's so much better. I got I have Clemson by twenty plus today. All right. Well, that concludes our picks for this week in college football. Mike, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys, this is Ethan. Due to technical difficulties, we were not able to get the 
trivia portion of our sports show this week recorded for Spotify. So that is the conclusion for our show. We apologize for the inconvenience. Thank you so much for listening on College Radio's Best.